Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's go back to the book of Titus. Back to the book of Titus. And we are going to be moving just a little quicker through the book of Titus than we did through First and Second Timothy because much of the material here is material that has already been covered in Titus, I mean in First and Second Timothy. But Titus is one of those books that is just absolutely uh, succinct. I mean, Paul says more in less words in the book of Titus than almost any other book that he has written. And uh, in some of these places, we could make a sermon almost out of each and every thing that is in this list. And Paul goes through here and has almost, uh, chapter 2 is almost just one list right after the other, and we've divided it up, the aged men, the aged women, the uh, young women, and the young men, and I will let you decide where you come in on that. I am not going to tell anyone they are on the aged women list, uh, otherwise that could get you in a lot of trouble, amen? But uh, it says here, Verse 1 of chapter 2, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Now, we use the word sound to determine something that is complete, something that is good. Uh, there used to be a saying in the United States, it has not been used in the last uh, 35, 40 years, sound as a dollar. And uh, because from really 1945 up until the 70s, early 70s, just, just before um, uh, Jimmy Carter, <clears throat> uh, the dollar was the world currency. It was the universal standard of exchange. In fact, you still go to, uh, you go to Mexico today, they don't want pesos. They want dollars. Uh, you go Central America, many of those countries, several of the countries, in fact, do not have a currency that belongs to their country. They use United States dollars as their currency because if they tried to have their own currency, it would be absolutely worthless. Uh, in the Philippines, same way. Uh, if, if you're out away from the cities, yes, you, you'd better have the... What, what is, is it a peso in Mexico as well, I think? I mean, in Philippines, just like in Mexico. But if you're in the cities, the, the dollar is the preferred medium of exchange. And so the idea here is that when something is sound, it's whole, it's complete, it's good, it's not rotten. And... Uh, the reason why Paul puts this in here is, let's just go back, verse 16, chapter 1. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. And uh, if there is anything missing in churches today, it is sound doctrine. Um, this morning's message was simply sound doctrine. But I can't remember the last time I've heard 
a preacher preach a whole sermon on just what baptism is. And that's a scary thing. And uh, one of the things that we're going to be doing, uh, this was just a, a, a four, uh, foreshadowing, but um, uh, we, are, uh, we are working on and have been, well, we've been not working on updating our church constitution and bylaws. And we've got to go through and typeset that thing and uh, make sure that we get all the right little things put in there. And, and so uh, one of the things that I like to do, and we did this back in uh, 1994 into 1995 when we adopted our church constitution and bylaws, uh, we went through each article and just doctrine after doctrine after doctrine. And uh, we'll probably be doing some semblance of that in the next several months as we try to update and get, get our church constitution into a position where we can actually print them and hand them out and not say, don't mind the typos, uh, because there are quite a few in there. And um, so he is telling Titus... You need to set in order the things that were wanting. What was wanting in the churches, number one, they didn't have pastors. He said, so I want you to ordain elders in the church. And then he said, the things that are wanting are these unruly, vain talkers, deceivers. He said, especially those people that are of the circumcision. And when he uses that word circumcision, he's talking about these... uh, People of Jewish heritage that tried to hold on to the traditions of the fathers and the Bible at the same time. You know, we have very, very few problems with that kind of thing going on in our church or in churches today. But here's what we do have is we have people that come out of false religions and other organizations that call themselves churches still praying the rosary beads and coming to church on Sunday morning, every once in a while stopping by and grabbing Mass just to make sure that everything's okay. Uh, let, me, let me tell you, you cannot mix religions. And you know, that would solve an awful lot of problems. Uh, They want to build a cultural center at ground zero. And let me me tell you, Islam is not about mixing religions. It's about making converts. And so let's just be honest. Uh, Let's call it an Islamic recruitment center at ground zero. And if we were just honest, that would solve the problem that quick now, wouldn't it? And so, sound doctrine, it means wholesome, good, complete, what is right. And this is what we need today. But let me warn you, the church of Antichrist is being prepared. The more stress we put on sound doctrine, the further and further we are going to find ourselves moved from what they call mainstream. 
Uh, I, I never will forget traveling on an airplane. Well, I may if I get Alzheimer's or something, but uh, as long as I'm in control of my mind, I, I remember this hit me very strangely one day. I was flying to, I believe, to Heartland and, and uh, was talking with the person I was sitting beside uh, on the airplane, and uh, they began talking about extreme fundamentalists. And the name Jerry Falwell came up. And I, I just looked and I said, I don't think you really understand. So Jerry Falwell is not an extreme fundamentalist. I'm an extreme fundamentalist. I make Jerry Falwell look like a liberal. Ooh, I mean, and, and all of a sudden it just dawned on me how far removed your average person is from what the Bible simply teaches. And the longer we grab a hold of the Bible and hold on to it, the further and further out we are going to be. Because let me tell you where the mainstream leads. It leads to the lake of fire. Always has and always will. Uh, I want to be separate from that stream. How about you? I don't want to be carried along with the current of false religion. And if you study church history, you will find that the greatest and most prevalent problems that, prevalent problems that we deal with today were already in existence before the history of our Bible was complete. They were already looking for another gospel in the book of Galatians, were they not? Now, that gospel wasn't authored by Rick Warren, but, I mean, it's still there uh, that it was a gospel that is different from that of the Scripture. And, of course, there is no good news outside the Bible. But that doesn't stop people from lying about it. The... Sound doctrine is what we want. Now look at this list of things here. That the aged men be sober. That does not mean not inebriated, all right? How many people know what the word inebriated means? Okay, most. It means drunk, okay? Uh, that, that is not a word that is just saying not drunken. It's sober. It's talking about your general outlook on life, it means understanding what's going on around you. We have lived too long in a society where everybody just sticks their head in the sand or just pretends that the problem isn't real. You want to know why we have such problems today in our society is we are dealing with a generation of leaders who were raised by parents that were not sober. Oh, he'll get over it. He's just expressing his inward anxieties and, uh, and uh, phobias and fears and aggressions, and, and, and he'll get over it. Yes, those are the last words of Jeffrey Dahmer's parents. Uh, let me tell you, there is one solution for aggressive behavior. God made it. 
It's called discipline. You want to know why people are taking drugs to control their emotions and their temperament when they're adults? It's because when they were children, they never learned how. It is really sad to watch a 40-something-year-old person throw a temper tantrum. No, they don't lay on the floor and kick their feet and go, ah, I can't have my way. But it's pretty close sometimes. Isn't it? Am I the only one that sees this behavior? Go like this if you've seen an adult throw a temper tantrum. Okay, okay. Now, how many of you have thrown a temper tantrum? Uh-oh, uh-oh, no, now don't you do that. But listen, that's not sound doctrine. That's not soberness. We've got to work on that. It says that the aged men be. This is a, uh, the simplest verb form. I am a state of being. He says, I want you to be sober. I want you to be in enough control of yourself that when you feel like throwing a temper tantrum, you don't. That's what being sober is. Have you ever watched somebody just lose total control of themselves laughing about something? I mean, they're just... And you can hear them a block away. Usually it takes a couple of Budweiser's or other things like that to get people in that state. Ought not ever be in the life of a Christian. But that's what the idea of sober is being in control. Is understanding what's going on. So oftentimes we blow up at the least little things and the things that are... I'm going to preach a sermon on that one of these days. You know, there, there is a time to be angry. I know a preacher, he preaches that you ought never be angry about anything. Let me tell you, Jesus got angry about some things. And it would do us well as Christians to get angry about some things. But if we would get angry about the right things... It'd be a different world in which we live. The problem is we get angry about the things that hurt us. That's the wrong things. We get angry at the things that make us uncomfortable. That's the wrong things to get angry about. And we don't get angry about the things that defy God. And that's what we ought to be angry about. Amen? So sober is the first thing. And we're going to hear this because he's going to say the aged women likewise. Guess what? Ladies, you got to be sober too. And let's move on. It says temperate. Boy, isn't that a good word? That means you're always at the right temperature. That's the basic idea. Somebody did this. It was one of those things that went around the Internet. Uh, one of those sappy little emails that you get sometimes that said uh, uh, two people was having some problems and the one person said, here, let me help you. And they got out an egg and some carrots and some coffee. And in three separate pots, they put all three into boiling water. How many read this? 
And then they took them out. And they said, you know, some people are like carrots. Turn up the heat, and they become soggy and limp. Some people were like eggs. You put them in the water, they started out soft, and now they become hardened because of the trials. And it says other people are like coffee. You put them in the boiling water and they flavor the water. Let's have a cup. That's a temperate person. It's a neat little illustration. Some people allow life to destroy them and they just become of no use, no backbone. They're just molded. They're made into anything anybody wants them to be. Other people become so hard, they just stay in their shell. They will not come out. The Bible wants us to interact with our world, but we should change it through the power that God has put in us. And this is what temper it is. Sound. In. Now, there's three different things that the aged men should be sound in. Number one is sound in the faith. How many of you remember back in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it was talking about being sound in the faith, following after these things that are right. One of the greatest ideals that has been put forth today is that we need mentors and we need people to, to guide us through life. And let me tell you that most of that pablum comes from people who want to destroy people's lives, not make them. They want to be the mentor. You ever met anybody that just wanted to be your mentor? Man, I've had to deal with that sometimes in the ministry. Had a guy call me up and he said, you know, I, I know Dr. So-and-so and I know Dr. And he named all the preachers that I knew. And, and he said, now I'm, I'm here in the city and he said, I, I, I want to be a help to you. And I, I tried to as gently and as kindly as I could. said, listen, brother, if I want some help, I'll just go call Dr. So-and-so. He's my friend too. <laughs> Why would I want you? And it wasn't a few years. Unfortunately, he's out of the ministry. You know, guys that go running around looking to be somebody's mentor, these are the perverts that try to destroy little children's lives. Listen, you need to be sound in faith. Look at the Bible. Look at your life. Is what you are doing in agreement with the Word of God? If it is, then you're sound in the faith. If it is not, you are not sound in faith. Faith is simply obeying the words of God. Just simply ask yourself that question. Is how I handle this situation at work today, is this by faith or is this by human cunning? If it's human cunning, it's not faith. And if it's not faith, you're not sound. It says, in charity. How many of you like to be around people that just love people? Isn't that a lot of fun? How many of you like to take the effort to love other people? Not as many hands go up that time. 
because it takes a lot of work to do that now, doesn't it? It's easy to love people that are lovable. And let me tell you, there are precious few. It takes some work to love people that are not very lovely. And if we look in the mirror, we'll probably find out that we are in that second category and not in the first. Aren't you glad the Savior loved you? Would you take his love and patience and give it to somebody else? That's what it's talking about. You know, being a loving parent means you do not allow your children to get away with anything. Right, Ruthann? Mm-hmm. You never quit being a parent. You never quit saying no. It's my favorite word, isn't it, Philip? Yeah. It works. It helps. But that is what love is all about, my friend. It's not this lovey-dovey good feeling. They used to have this television show when I was a kid. It was called The Courtship of Eddie's Father. Anybody remember that the song, My Dad is My Best Friend? You know what the whole purpose of that television show was? To devalue the authority of the father in the house. Listen, Dad, you're not just another kid. Sorry, that's not the way it works. You're a man now. Be one. It says here, sound in faith, in charity, and what's that last one? In patience. Oh, my. Is, am I the only one, or does 2010 seem to be the year of impatience? I, I mean, I, I think this has been one of the most frustrating years of, of, that I know on record. Is, am I the only one that feels that way? Okay, good. I've, I've got a few people that are saying, yeah. Oh, you, you know what? It's okay to be honest. But it's not okay to live wrong. So what do we got to do? We got to work on it, don't we? How do you get patience? Tribulation, James chapter 1. Now, don't go looking for it. The tribulation you go looking for is not going to give you patience. The tribulation that God sends your way will. And believe me, God will send you tribulation because you need patience. But what do most Christians do? They turn on the tribulation avoidance radar. This is a potentially difficult situation. I'll avoid it. I'll ignore the situation and I'll go around. Let me tell you, you don't accomplish anything by going around. You've got to face it head on. You've got to deal with it. Get out the acid reflux medicine if necessary. 
But you've got to go through the situation because it's only by going through do you develop patience. Be sound in patience. And when you're in a situation you can't be patient, you you know one thing is for sure, you're not in the will of God. You've got to stop. You've got to turn around. You've got to go back. I've, I've tried to tell people over the years, I said, listen, how long has it taken you to get into this mess? Well, it's been developing for two or four or five, sometimes ten years. So really. So you've known about this problem in your life, in your marriage, in your child, in yourself, for, let's just pull a number out of the air, seven years. Well, that's, that's probably about right. I've been dealing with it, but not very effectively. Okay, well, let's, let's, make a pa- let's make a plan right now. Are you willing to take the next seven years to get out of this problem? That's where most of us break down right there. You see, we want the instant solution. Here's the problem with instant solutions. They are that quickly undone. It is the long, arduous process of putting one brick upon another, of rebuilding what you're working on the right way that solves the problem. Now, if it's with another person and that other person is not willing to make that commitment, that does not free you from making the commitment to make things right in your life. But it may mean that things will never be right between you and them this side of eternity. Everybody got that? See, that's what being sound in patience is. It's keeping at it. It's not quitting. It's not giving in. I've watched parents train children. I've watched children train parents. They know how far they've got to push you until you give in. My kids learned how far. They have to push me to give in. It's called eternity. So they give up. Right, Stevie? I'm not going to stop knocking heads with my kids, if I can use that terminology, until they're walking with me through life. Now, I can't guarantee it's going to work on all 12, but that's what the Bible says, and that's what I'm going to keep doing. And so far, i got three heading in the right direction. They're out on their own. We've only got nine more to go, so we're just going to keep at this thing. You keep it serving God until he takes you home. That's what patience is. Being sound in your patience, you don't give up doing right. But you can't become a Pharisee, otherwise you're not sound in your charity. Amen? And if you give up being sound in the faith, you're going to make shipwreck. You will never keep the other two. 
These are the things that it says the aged men have to be taught, to be sober, to be grave, to be temperate, to be sound in the faith, in charity and in patience. Then it says the aged women likewise. Guess what, ladies? Your list just gets longer. You've got everything on the guy's list and more. That's what the word likewise means. And I will tell you by the time we're done, if you'll look at this, the list of things that Paul has for the aged ladies and the young ladies is much longer than the list that he has for the aged men and the young men. And I I will tell you that I believe one of the cornerstones of our society is our ladies. Read Romans chapter 1. It's not the men that went evil first. It was the women. And the men followed. Men are, how do I say this? They're just like big puppy dogs. Ladies, you can lead them in the right direction. Or you can lead them astray. Men, it's time to stop being led around by your collar and stand up and be a man. Amen? But let me tell you, no man can be the man that he's supposed to be without his wife leading him and helping him. Not that she's in charge. But how many of you have heard the phrase, the man puts it this way, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. There's a lot of truth in that. And that's why Paul brings out all of these things. I mean, Cretan society, has, as we understand it here, is a pretty poor society, is it not? It says they are always liars. They're slow bellies. Um, he said they're evil beasts. I mean, that. We could, we could describe New York City that way pretty well now, couldn't we? And... Uh, It says here, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things. Now, I I believe that the key or the cornerstone of our society, and uh, I'm trying to say something that I'm not saying completely here. Let me just go back a minute. It's the idea that I'm trying to bring forth here is you have men as leaders in society. They are on a scale of, say, one, which is ineffective, to ten. If we were to take uh, the, our aged women, our older ladies, and put them in the same, their scale goes from negative 50 to positive 50. They can just be so much worse or so much better. Does that make sense? Are you following me? There is so much more that a woman can influence and accomplish than a man can. And Paul says, listen, ladies, the aged women likewise, and by the way, you don't have to be collecting Social Security to be aged. Uh, the aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Have you ever seen a wicked old lady? 
well, I don't even remember her name. How many remember the, wasn't it Leona Helmsley? How many people remember her? I mean, that's a scary, scary person. I'd rather face an entire army than one of those type people. Because the army, they'll shoot you and go home. She'll find a dungeon somewhere and torture you for the rest of your life. I mean, that's, this, that's what I'm trying to say goes on here. And he's saying, listen, you need to conduct yourself in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers. How many people have been put out of faithful service to the Lord because of false accusations, gossip? How many lives have been destroyed because, Hello, Gertrude. Oh, you can't believe the juiciest little bit of gossip I just got. And that, I mean, it travels faster than internet. Uh, I mean, you can't travel anything faster than gossip. It goes at the speed of light. Actually, it goes at the speed of sin now, doesn't it? It says, not false accusers, not given too much wine. And again, let's, let's just fit in what we talked when we talked about the deacons not given too much wine. Have you ever met, ever met anyone that was just consumed with all the little things they possessed and everything had to be on the shelf just right and it had to be this and had to be that? Ladies, if you're wrapped up in that, you can't be wrapped up in service to the Lord. I believe it's talking about the finer things in life here. It's not that you're allowed to be drunk some of the time and be sober. No, no, no. Your whole life is supposed to be sober. Uh, intoxication is a sin. It's not supposed to be a part of the life of the Christian. So when it says not given too much wine, it's not talking about drunkenness versus soberness. It's talking about given to the finer things of life, given to those, uh, given to pro, uh, pursuing, I was trying to say the word pursue and process at the same time, pursuing the fineries or the comforts of life. And let me tell you, if you want to, you can make yourself pretty comfortable around here. If you can afford it, you can do it. But if you're willing to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ, that means you're going to step back from that desire of those things that you would want. I mean, there are a certain level of things that you can possess that the only reason that you possess them is so other people will know that you possess them. Isn't that true? This is what it's talking about. Don't allow your lives to be consumed with wanting these things. Teachers of good things. How we need. How our young ladies need. Older ladies that have lived the Bible life to teach. You can only teach so much when you say, well, I didn't do this right and I didn't do this right, but you know, later on in life I got myself straightened out and now I'm serving God. You can only teach someone so far. 
What we need is we need some ladies to grow up. Some of our younger ladies, we need you to get to the point of being aged women where you can teach the younger women, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to experiment with immorality to find out that it's wrong and it's empty. I never did. Do you know how much weight that carries today? Because it's just simply not true about almost everybody. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a politician going, uh, standing up and say, I never smoked and I never inhaled. I never got high because I know it's stupid. I don't have to try it out. I may remember the campaign with Mr. Bloomberg. I think it was his first term. I smoked, I inhaled, I enjoyed it. Michael Bloomberg. Now that's totally out of context. He said, I smoked one marijuana joint, I inhaled. I, in I did enjoy it, but I realized very quickly that this was stupid and and destructive behavior, and I've never done it again. That didn't stop him from putting out the bumper sticker. Let me tell you, can we not? Men, we need some aged men that have not soiled their lives in the pits of sin. We need some aged women that have not soiled their lives with the pits of sin. You say, well, preacher, it's too late. Well, you serve God where you are. But this is not an issue that's going to solve itself in one generation. It's going to take two or three if God gives us that time to get back to where we ought to be. And if God does not, guess what? There is no excuse for not teaching good things. And you know what the greatest thing you can do? The greatest way you can teach is just live. Back up your words with your behavior. Actually, back up your behavior with your words is a little better way to put it. This is what Paul is telling Titus to work on in Crete. Guess what? If it takes two or three generations to get the always liar, evil beast, and slow bellies transformed into true Christianity, is Titus going to be around two generations or three generations later? Probably not. But will Jesus' church still be there? Ah, there's the key now, isn't it? That's why what we do and what we invest our lives in has to be through the church. Because any one of us could be gone tomorrow from this life. Any one of us could enter eternity at any moment. But guess what? if we've invested in the right things. It says of Abel, he being dead, 
yet speaketh. And how do we do that? We invest our lives in training people in the church. This ought to be a place where someone comes in who has grown up in the world and they say, I want the Bible. I pray that they come into any service. They'll recognize that we just teach the Bible here. But you know what? They need friends who will say, listen, you can't find what you need out there. You're going to have to invest your life in this book. You're going to have to be sound in the faith. That's where it starts. See, what we want to do is we want to be sound in charity without being sound in faith and in patience. And you know what that leads to? That leads to feed the children programs. Now, I'm, I'm for feeding the children. I, I feed lots of children every day. I, I believe in taking care of little ones. And I'm glad for every hungry child, no matter where they are in the world, when they get a meal. But that's not missions. You know, people will believe anything and will do almost anything to get food. That is not... We don't entice people to the gospel by giving them food. Yes, they could listen better on a full belly, that's for sure. But many of these programs, that's all they do. You've got to be sound in faith. You've got to be sound in patience. And then when it comes to loving people, you'll really love them the Bible way. It's something most of our people growing up have no idea what that is. In fact, when they see it, they first think, that's something strange. Who would want that? But how many of you grew up in a home where there was no boundaries in your life and you were allowed to do whatever you wanted and you just wish somebody would come alongside of you and said, no. Amen. So, ladies and men, sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience, behavior that becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That would change the world. Would it not? Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would help us to live these truths. Lord, it is a sad and scary day in which we live. We ask that you would give us grace to be your servants. In Jesus' name and before we finish that prayer.